This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. 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 We have 850 kilometers dispute between Israel and Lebanon. Why? Because we had only 400 kilometers dispute. The Lebanese accepted line 23. The Lebanese. Then, when we discovered a, a Karish gas field, the appetite of the Lebanese, Nasrallah said, oh, I want also this. In the Arabian Gulf, the Abraham Accords refocused minds away from old tensions to a new era of mutual interests, and with it, peace and security. Can the saber-rattling and talk of conflict on Israel's northern border be changed too? The decades-old Israel-Lebanon maritime border dispute is top of the running order again, with the planned start-up of Israel's offshore Karish gas field and the hum of escalating rhetoric from Iranian-sponsored Shiite terror group Hezbollah. Their leader, Hassan Nasrallah, has repeatedly threatened Israeli development of Karish. Parts of it sit north of Lebanon's claimed line. The US has engaged in busy shuttle diplomacy. No chance. Western Europe has renewed appetite for Mediterranean gas since Russia invaded Ukraine. Germany and the like need to extricate themselves from Putin's weaponization of energy. Can Israel avoid war to become a regional energy power? Eddie Cohen's a native Arab speaker, born and raised in Beirut and now living in Israel. He has over half a million followers across the Arab world. He tweets Israeli and Jewish perspectives to the Muslim neighborhood, delving deeper than almost anyone. Talk of drilling down. Eddie deals in absolutes, in realpolitik. And it's the second time he's appeared on Johnny Gould's Jewish State. The purpose of the first episode was to introduce him to my audiences across the Western world. Israel's foreign ministry establishment isn't keen on him because his outreach is powerful and unrestrained by the filter of diplomatic niceties. And that's why I like him. That's why you reacted to him so positively. And that's why he's back. So let's talk about hopes for change in Iran and the hapless attempts by the Biden administration to restore Obama's nuclear deal. No nuclear deal will be signed with Iran, especially now where we see that the Iranian is killing, the Iranian regime is killing innocent people like you, like me in the street. Talking of outspoken, the last few episodes have been epic. Scroll back four for the unrepentant Julie Burchill. Annie Rutzer, meaning I want, highlights the impatience and the apparent insolence of Israelis. On my first visit there, when I had the last echo of my good looks, I remember the baffled Israeli boy who hit on me with the words, I want, you want. <laughs> when I protested that I was married, he retorted, he no here, you want, I want. These days, I'm not above playing the flaky old lady card to get through security sharpish. I always pack my Hebrew textbook at the top of my hand luggage, and when the fierce young operative seizes it and asks, 
Do you speak Hebrew? I answer in my rustic child's voice. And the alphabet, Katurim Bekelevin. I love cats and dogs. <laughs> the effect is nothing short of miraculous. As the stern face breaks into a smile and a cry of whatever the Ibrit is for, here, come and listen to this week, you won't believe it, rings out across the LR check-in area. Hebrew is difficult, beautiful, rebellious, and most importantly, the sensible choice for me, as I can't imagine a time when I won't want to keep going back to the land where they speak it, no matter how rude they are. How lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> and for an all-time hero, scroll way back to episode 38, to a timeless story of Mossad's mission 700 kilometers behind enemy lines in Sudan as Danny and his agents partnered with Ethiopia's Jews to bring them home to Israel. Suddenly in 1982, Israel was plunged into war in Lebanon. More than once, you left your posting in Sudan to perform your national service. So you motorbiked up the country, up to Israel, on your Kawasaki, to join your elite paratrooping unit to fight intensively against Syrian forces. You fought in a war north of Israel literally days after your humanitarian mission in Sudan. How does a man deal with that psychologically? <laughs> when, you, when you say it, it looks like this guy is crazy. It sounds unbelievable. Well, but that, that's very Israeli, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And Eddie Cohen gets to ask me questions too, like this one about our late queen. Why didn't she ever visit Israel? First oh, yeah. question. Yeah, the simple reason for that is that the Foreign Office would not sanction a trip for the queen. But in recent years, Prince Charles and the Duke of Edinburgh... No, 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 no. Why, Elizabeth, during 60 years... I know. Why? And she was from, and she would have appreciated the Via Dolorosa and Bethlehem. And so why? Nazareth. why? The Foreign Office would not allow it. Nah. Really? Nah. <laughs> but Prince William has been now with an official visit. The Foreign Office can dictate to Queen Elizabeth to go or not to go? Correct. Do you know what the initials of the Foreign Office are? F-O, which is, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Seriously, there was bias in the foreign office, but recently, in the last 10 years, the world has come to understand that we need more Israel, not less Israel. And so, yes. yes. You know, so the, the other question, why she didn't give up give the throne for, for his for her boy because the tradition in this country is not to abdicate in holland and i think in denmark the kings and queens they retire even the pope retires but, but her mother her mother retired yeah she lived till 101 <laughs> but the queen was not the queen it was king george ah. Hamelech George, who was the last king of Israel. Yes, he was. He was. Melech George. Uh, okay, okay, let's, uh, let's begin. Let's begin. Uh, let's say to Eddie Cohen, welcome to Johnny Gould's Jewish State, as always, sir. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's great to I see you. And we're going to start on a story where trade might just refocus minds away from old tensions and talk of conflict to a new era of mutual interests and maybe peace and security. The Israel-Lebanon maritime border is in sharp focus with the planned startup of the Israel offshore Karish gas field. This has to be good news, Eddie. For whom? For Israel and maybe if they get sensible and more mainstream, the Lebanese government and maybe even Hezbollah. Well, speaking about Lebanon, we all know that Lebanon doesn't really exist, Johnny. It exists in the paper, the Republic of Lebanon, but who, who really rules in Lebanon? Who are in the airport? Who runs the internal uh, problems? Who is the big boss in Lebanon? We all know that Hezbollah has an army, thousands of uh, soldiers. He, he has arms more than Lebanese army. He has 150,000 missiles. Hezbollah is uh, the biggest mafia terror organization in the world. So if Hezbollah wants uh, money, this money will go to him to finance his terror activity, not to the poor Lebanese people, not to buy uh, water or to buy food. Nasrallah deals with drugs, uh, with the diamonds he brings from Africa, and he sells uh, also, he exports drugs to the Persian Gulf. This is Hezbollah, Johnny. So if we will have an, an agreement with Lebanon, I don't think this is good news for the Lebanese if they reach an agreement. We have a problem here in Israel. Some says, no, we have to make a referendum. Others says uh, 80 members of parliament must uh, uh, vote for this uh, agreement. So before getting to the agreement, we also have problem with Lebanon. But before the agreement here in Israel, uh, there are many, many questions around it. So let's, be, let's wait and see how things will develop. As you know, the, also the Prime Minister of Lebanon, Najib Makata, is also interim uh, uh, acting Prime Minister. The Lebanese fractions didn't uh, accept to point a Prime Minister uh, for Lebanon. More than that, Johnny, I know that it's complicated. Johnny, the presidency of uh, uh, General Michel Aoun, the president of Lebanon, will leave his office. So we have elections in 1st of November in Israel. The actual prime minister in Lebanon is acting prime minister and also Yair Lapid. So we have many technical, uh, legal aspects we didn't speak about this agreement. We all we only spoke about the technical uh, uh, stuff. And of course, however much the United States tries to broker what they call shuttle diplomacy, they are used to these negotiations breaking down. Hezbollah, as you mentioned, the Iranian-sponsored Shiite terror group, have started to escalate the rhetoric, get very aggressive. 
But there was a little bit of hope because the Karish gas field, which is the field where Israel is starting to drill, was part of a disputed territory and that Lebanon has retreated slightly, which gives us a little bit of hope that Israel can get underway with gas. Well, first of all, excuse me, I don't like this word. Israel is allowed. Who will allow Israel? This terror organization called the Hezbollah or Nasrallah, he will allow the great Israel, the state of Israel. Many Israeli people, myself, we made a demonstration because we refuse to make a such deal. Now, let's wait. Nasrallah knew that he has a deadline from July to the end of October. Nasrallah knew that it's a challenge. Nasrallah wants an agreement. Uh, there was elections in Lebanon last April. Hezbollah lost several seats in the parliament. Yes. The people of Lebanon, I can tell you truly, I speak with many Lebanese that lives also in Lebanon and also abroad and also in UK. The Lebanese people, most of them hate Nasrallah. They don't consider him resistance as he claims. They considered him terror organization. Yeah. They hate him. They hate Hezbollah. And also Lebanese told me, we don't want this agreement. I said, why? Because the money finally will go to the Hezbollah. So the Lebanese themselves told me, Eddie, we don't want now an agreement. Because we have elections in 1st of November. The Lebanese, they found at their territory, a gas field named Kana. We have... 850 kilometers dispute between Israel and Lebanon. Why? Because we had only 400 kilometers dispute. The Lebanese accepted line 23, the Lebanese. Then when we discovered Karish gas field, the appetite of the Lebanese, Nasrallah said, oh, I want also this. So imagine he changed. After they said to the United Nations, that the Lebanese government recognized line 23, that is their maritime border, then Nasrallah or the Lebanese or both of them, they said, no, we want also, our line is 29, not 23. It's also several kilometers south. That means it's in Israel maritime line. They are almost near Nahariya. So first, there is security aspect. Second of all, uh, Nasrallah and the Lebanese one wants a little bit of courage. So the Israelis must not reach an agreement because the threaten of Nasrallah. And he said, word by word, I will not let Israel taking a gas from Karish field. He wants to declare war if we do so. So the question many Israelis ask themselves, does Yair Lapid, he is afraid from a war. That's why he wants now an agreement. There are many, many questions unsolved here in Israel yeah. about this very, very rapid. There will be no president in Lebanon and also no prime minister. So a deal will facilitate production in Israel. But as you've mentioned very clearly, there's no such thing as trickle down economics in Lebanon. It goes straight to the Iranian sponsored terrorist group no Lebanese citizen 
uh, will uh, achieve any wealth creation from that. And this other, Johnny, let me, excuse me, the Lebanese said this, not me. Yeah. They told me, the yeah, Lebanese they said, you. they know their situation more than us. Yeah, it's a very sad state of affairs. But the good news is that Israel does have this gas resource. And in a rapidly changing global world, Europe's desire to extricate itself off Russian gas after Moscow's decision to invade yes. Ukraine has reopened the market for Mediterranean gas. Israel is not just a technological power, it's a resource power. Yes, yes. You know, you have your program, the Jewish state. This is why God gave us this, this state. Now we know why God himself tell, promised us the promised land. <laughs> we didn't knew, we didn't know that we have gas in the Mediterranean. That's why we, we didn't know. I thought we had milk and honey, Eddie. We got other <laughs> no, no. We don't do. No, no. You know, in Europe now, you have a problem now with the payment, with the electricity. High prices, isn't it? Yeah, electricity is now cheaper than gas. It's for, it's a, for, expensive. for the first time, heating your house is, uh, is a different matter. And of course, Russia or another state actor is damaging the energy pipes. And of course, Europe is getting colder. Uh, and so the Israeli market, if we can start digging for Karish, will empower Israel further, but not just in economic terms, but in political terms too. Of course. It will change the balance of power. It will encourage more partners to sign with the Abraham Accords. This is Israel. I always tweet that Israel is a powerful country. You know my, you, you see my tweets. I see him. I press translate because my Arabic is not native like yours, <laughs> which is which is amazing. And uh, I I ask everyone to follow Eddie Cohen, E-D-Y-C-O-H-E-N, uh, for some extraordinary dialogue between the Jewish state and the Arab world, some extraordinary drill down opportunities for dialogue. I don't think there's anyone more powerful in Israel in the Middle East and to the Arab world than Eddie Cohen. He's my guest today on Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Now, Hezbollah is of course an Iranian sponsor and they are subjugating their women and very brave women and men are on the streets every night causing the Basij militia real problems. The Republican Guard is finding it very difficult to stop what looks like a potential Tunisia, a sort of Iranian revolution, but the people have to be so very brave. Yes, so many yes. people are dying every day because of this uh, terrible killing of uh, the 22-year-old Kurdish girl from a village who went to Tehran. Her hijab was not being worn properly by the values of the morality police. And Masa Amini, she was killed, we believe, in custody. No doubt about it, no doubt. They claim other things, the Iranian regime, that she was, uh, she had a heart attack or, you know, no one believed this dictator uh, regime. Yes, as you said, 13 years ago, this girl or woman was executed. I, I don't see another word to describe this awful crime because only the morality police you know, in 2022, we have a police 
that tell you, no, Johnny, you have to cover your, uh, your head. That's why Iranian hate the religion. They hate the, the religious people because of these acts. Johnny, the regime now is very, very concerned. The demonstrations didn't stop. Behind all of this, there is another issue, very important issue. There are rumors that the Ali Khamenei, the supreme leader of Iran, is dead. And the regime refused to claim it, to publish this news. Why? Because this will bring more tensions and will bring other young people to go out and to protest because they hate him. Every day, if, I don't know if you know the Iranian language, every night, the people around six o'clock in Tehran, in Mashhad, in Qum, in 100 cities, they go out and they said, uh, death to the dictator, death to Ali Khamenei. Millions of Iranians wish his death when he will be proclaimed dead. If you ask me, I think 90% is dead. Because usually we see him after one week when we have such protest, we see him demanding or uh, shouting on the protesters to stop. We didn't see him. And also there were rumors that he was uh, taken to the hospital. So I think he's dead. I think he's dead. And the Iranian regime doesn't want to admit it because they, are, they fear. They fear the, the power of the people. This is a dictature. And I want to ask you a question, Johnny. Does the European uh, newspaper or uh, media cover the, the, what happens in Iran? In this country, it's taken several days, but finally the BBC and independent television have covered it. I put five tweets out and they all went viral. They went viral across the Middle East, thanks to you and thousands and thousands of other Iranian people. My interviews with Hillel Noya and Jason Greenblatt, when we're talking about Iran, went to the Iranian people. The BBC have picked this up and they are starting to show the verifiable videos of what's going on. It's a very appealing story to a Western journalist because it's about women. This is why it's captured the imagination. Everyone is concerned because geopolitically Ukraine is closer, but this shouldn't disguise the fact that this is a women's story in Iran. It's about the subjugation of women. It's about violence against women. And I think that's what's attracted the slightly These left- These are crimes against humanity. It's imagine, crimes against humanity. Of course, imagine, but what I'm talking about is how media works here. Johnny, imagine one uh, Israeli soldier has beat a Palestinian woman, all the media would report it. So yep. why they doesn't report uh, all what's happening in Iran? They are beginning to. And why beginning? But this is, this is the 13th day, two Correct. Weeks. And the thing about it is the bravery of these people once we start seeing even more graphic videos that you cannot show on television is when there will be more coverage. One thing I can predict is that when they do announce Khamenei and his death, I predict yes. that will be on a Jewish holiday. Why? 
Ah, okay. Ray. What's happened in Europe? I think I know the question. The really European political class, excuse me, Johnny, they don't care about Iranian women. They don't care about Kurdish women. They don't care also about Palestinian women. But it's it is the game. It is the game. Now they they needed Iran. They need because they don't have gas. Uh, is it cold in your house, Johnny? No, do, we're do okay for now. But you know, I'm going to be so grateful for Israeli gas in in October, <laughs> November. I it will, it will arise. We have a new prime minister, and her name is Liz Truss. And yes. she is ideologically very pro-Israel. When she was foreign secretary, she was extremely vocal about Israel when Boris was her boss. And she has made it clear alongside people like James Cleverly, who's his foreign secretary, that um, they have a friend uh, in Downing Street. And they've even discussed publicly the possibility that the embassy will be moved from opposite the Hilton Hotel in Tel Aviv <laughs> to Jerusalem. Nice, nice. If they, if they can do that, that really will be her legacy because she's made a very bad start to her premiership because we had a budget here and the chancellor produced a very Thatcherite view of the world, cutting taxes, but the city of London and Brussels, New York, they attacked our market and our pound has collapsed. Yes, yes, and I we know. We have a problem in this country now. Israel will be behind you, don't worry. Oh. <laughs> Just a question, you don't need the acceptance of the parliament to... Yes, I mean... The parliament... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, this government under Boris Johnson and now Truss has an 80-seat majority. So ah, there will be people like Corbyn and um, Zara Sultana and Lloyd Russell Moyle, people that you don't know their names, and that's good that you don't know who they are. You know who Corbyn <laughs> no. is. You know who Corbyn is. And they'll yes, stand yes, up and they'll he's, say, this is a he's very... Still a, he's still a member of parliament, Corbyn? He's a no. member of parliament, but he's not allowed to be a member of the Labour... Uh, ah, uh, okay. He's in okay. the Labour Party... I and see. it shouldn't be forgotten that Sir Keir Starmer, the current leader, allowed him back into the party, but not to be an MP for Labour. Let's return to Iran. The, so, I mean, the domestic unrest, the problems with the rioting in Iran is also at the same time as this long protracted negotiation between the Americans' allies in Vienna, the JCPOA, Agreed in 2015 by President Obama, taken out and cancelled by President Trump in 2018. And now they have stalled again in recent months. Apparently, Emmanuel Macron, President of France, one of the signed signatures of the deal, met with Ibrahim Raisi of Iran at the UN General Assembly in New York and warned Iran that this was the best proposal that they could ever have to currently get the deal. And even Biden, who's so soft on Iran, is beginning to feel that maybe these guys won't be able to honor the JCPOA. So Iran, who are faced with probably the most pro-Iranian American president 
of them all alongside Obama. They can't do a deal with Biden. I think you cannot defeat Obama. Obama was pro-Iran, <laughs> but he is one. We, we say in Israel, this is Obama's third administration. <laughs> well, about, yes. About Biden, you know, he's yes. a proxy of Biden. Look, let's say that uh, we saw President Biden. I, I respect him as, as, as an old guy, but I think he's 100%. He's, he's an old man. He's very old man. And he searched for Jackie, someone who was killed. So I don't think that he runs the, the, the administration. No. Everyone see him. Does he know what is the name of the president of Iran? I don't think so, Johnny. Yeah. He's, uh, I would say, senil. Yeah, senil. So these are Obama's guys that are around him. Camilla Harris, you know, she's uh, one of Obama right women. Yeah. I think that the agreement has collapsed. No nuclear deal will be signed with Iran, especially now where we see that the Iranian is killing, the Iranian regime is killing innocent people like you, like me in the street. They were killed just because they shouted death to the dictator. Also, alongside of this, we know that Iranian regime execute LGBT members, uh, execute uh, homosexuals. We know all these things. The European, you, you don't see it. You don't know it. Uh, not you, Johnny. The, the Macron doesn't know this. Should I send him uh, some video? To... Yeah, get him to follow you. The guy talks to Putin as well, Bakra. He gets off on talking to these tyrants. There's something even more serious about this, which is a direct attack on British and American citizens in America, and we still negotiate with them in Vienna. So there was an armed Hezbollah militant who went into Brooklyn, into a private home, and tried to kill an Iranian dissident. And yes. America still won't stop the negotiations in Vienna. A British subject was knifed in the lung and in the liver the most famous British dissident in the world, Salman Rushdie, in New York. It's as though he's not British. It, it, what are we doing? Why are we discussing when they're carrying out these attacks, Iranian-sponsored terror attacks in Brooklyn? What are we doing? What's going on? This is politics. This is the dirty politics of Obama. The Iranian shelled the uh, Kurdistan uh, Arbil. Why? Because they want to put pressure on the Kurdish to avoid them going in this, uh, down to the street. This is the Iranian regime thinks like Bashar Assad. They think that by force they can change things. They shelled, the Iranian regime shelled Kurdistan area and one American people or citizen, as you said, was killed. A Biden administration doesn't care. They want quickly nuclear deal. But I think that this agreement will, will collapse. If it didn't collapse yet, I think it will collapse. And I hope that it will collapse. Isolate Iran, Johnny. We must not give them their own money. What will they will do with their money that Biden has frozen in the United States? They will not buy chocolates, Johnny. You know that. <laughs> well, in Vienna, you might have the chance to. Plenty of cake in Vienna. But what is this politics business? 
that means that Britain and America and the other nations can't very simply use their superior power and withdraw from the negotiations. There are other people to buy oil from than Iran. There are other tyrants like in Saudi, like in Venezuela, like in, I don't know, the United States is self-sufficient. Biden, he's fighting the Russian on his own way. He, he thinks that if he will buy from Iran, he will solve the energy problem. Biden has big pressure from the European. We know that. In uh, apropos, who vandalized the pipeline in the sea in Denmark? We know who is the first suspect, don't we, Johnny? Yeah. It's not the Israelis, not the Mossad. The European don't know. Your neighbor, your neighbor knows what happens in Iran now. It's starting to make the news here, but it disappeared. Why, why starting? Why starting? I know, because unfortunately, the Russia-Ukraine war is, because of the mobilization of 300,000 men and the annexation of 15% of the Ukrainian land, is making it's not my problem it's not my conflict johnny i don't care about ukrainian do you care about what's happening in ukrainian well frankly as a jew well yeah yeah you know i I don't have my problem but but they are more western than russia and for that reason they're on the edge the edge of our continent you know zelensky is a jew but is is a chutzpah he doesn't like, he's funny with Israel, isn't he? Chutzpah, chutzpah, I would say he's rude. He's very rude. He wants us that we fight Putin. But he doesn't understand or refuses to accept that Israel needs Russia over Syria. He doesn't care. He also needs his interest. He's chutzpah, he's very rude. We have very big problem with the Russian. And there's something else that's at play here as well. The Abraham Accords has proved to be a game changer, but the fact of the matter is that the United Arab Emirates is Iran's second biggest trader of oil behind China. And does that fact change the dynamics of the Abraham Accords? Well, not not sure. I will tell you why, because the Abraham Accords, their power is that everyone, every side, do what its own interest. I'll give you an example. I, as an Israeli, I don't want to see daily or to hear the UAE helping the Palestinians, interfering in the political arena and with our dialogue with the Palestinians. Also, I will not interfere with their business with the Iranians. So I think the Abraham Accord, they are an excellent, this is a gift, also from God, but it's from Trump, from Netanyahu, and from Sheikh Zayed. We have to admit it, the Abraham Accord saved Israel, saved the Middle East, and now imagine the Middle East journey without Iran. Imagine. It will be paradise. No arms, no killing, no death, no protesters. Lebanon will be free from Hezbollah. You know, in the Lebanon, Embassy of Iran controls all the politicians. They do terrible things in Lebanon. So imagine Middle East, all the Iraq is free from Iranian uh, soldiers or uh, a proxy. Iran is, is the head of the snake, Johnny. Yeah. Iran is the head of the snake. Imagine this regime will fall 
it would be bracha, it, it will remember me, like the fall of the Nazis in May 45. It's the same thing, it would be I the think. same thing, but there might be a Sunni militia that would replace them. Maybe, but the, the Iranian regime is the country. When you are a, a terror country, it would be easy. They have money. It's a rich country, Iran. Don't forget. There will be always problem. But this regime is the head of a snake. I hope that the Iranian people, not Israel, not you, not me, the Iranian people will make this regime fall and will also put them in the in trial. Like what happens in Romania or even in Chantefke. Iraq. And so in Iraq, even in Iraq. And Gaddafi in Libya. Yes, yes, yes. They must be judged. Jason Greenblatt, author of the Trump Peace Plan, told me in the last episode that the Middle East is the arena of whack-a-mole, even if the Iranian regime is vanquished. No one, I think, in their right mind would think that that means that there won't be terror attacks somehow. There might be terror attacks within the Palestinian area against what happened. There, might, there will be terror attacks against Israel. So they all have to work together to fight this evil. To me, it's really a battle of good versus evil. And by the way, I don't know if you know the President Raisi, he was a judge and he sent thousands of Iranian people to death, thousands. He's a big uh, criminal and we saw him at the United Nations in New York. If I was the United States President, I would arrest him on GF Kennedy Airport as soon as he gets from the airport, they invited him to speak. This is crazy. I, I cannot. He's wanted. Thousands of Iranian people were killed because of him. He's a, a real dictator, as you know, dictator. He's like Saddam Hussein. He killed thousands. Our softness in the West is a complete mystery to me. And softness or stupidity? stupidity? Sorry, Johnny. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I see it as a naive. I see the West. Uh, don't offend because I, co I don't consider I don't consider you West. You are you, you know the political uh, uh, arena. I saw your tweets. You understand the Middle East. You understand political Islam. You understand uh, uh, what is a dictator or not dictator. You are, you you generally understand. But uh, the Western people are so naive yeah. and so selfish when in concern when they see their interests. They if don't get, want to see the truth. Forget who they are. As Jason Greenblatt said to me in the yes. previous episode, he said that the Biden administration's biggest mistake is that they think the Iranians think like Americans, think like Brits, think like Europeans. They don't. And it was the most firm I've ever seen Jason about an opinion because he's very direct, very softly spoken, but he has a real... A moral compass and really understands the West's position and the Israeli position. And if only there were more Jason Greenblatt's and perhaps a Trump administration to solve things in the Middle East, then maybe there would be more peace. Eddie yes, Cohen. Yes, I, I hope so. And the, 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 the only one that understands the Middle East, now they are trying to per persecute him, Mr. Trump. That's right. They're, uh, they're trying to take out Mr. Trump in a sort of... Uh, uh, a legal civil war, if you like, in the US. Eddie Cohen, as always, thank you for joining me on Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Yalla, Johnny. Eddie. Thank you. It was a pleasure. When are you coming here? I, I don't know. I want to come to Eretz. And likewise, come to London. 
Look at my books. You can read some of my books. <laughs> I hate books. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so fun. I enjoyed it. See you soon. The best guests and their most heartfelt views. A relay of their missions to a worldwide audience. Hi, it's Johnny again, just popping in at the end of this one. 100 episodes along and I'm proud that it's fast become the podcast of record. This is coverage of the Jewish and Israeli worlds that just doesn't get properly aired in mass media. And I'm not ashamed to ask for your help. A one-off donation is always gratefully received to support my efforts, but a monthly donation really gets our service off the ground. Your donation can also be made with gift aid, and it's so easy to do, just click on this, donorbox.org slash jgpodcast. That's donorbox.org slash jgpodcast. Are you in? Please share my series with your friends and... Thank you for listening.